When you hear the term redemption, several things may come to mind. First of all, you may, it's, we're coming up on, on the Christmas season where gift cards are very popular. So you might use a gift card to redeem at a store or even use a redemption code online to get credit for something. Long before gift cards were available, however, there were a thing called S&H green stamps. Anybody remember those? Oh, I hear some laughter over here. Basically, what you would do is you would get these in exchange for buying things at the grocery store or at a gas station. And over time, you could save up probably millions of these stamps because they weren't worth a whole lot. But over time, you could take them to the S&H Redemption Center and redeem them for like a small kitchen appliance, like a toaster or a blender or something like that. Some of you might also think of the Shawshank Redemption. When Andy Dufresne greets his old friend Red on the beach at San Juaneo at the end of the movie. But reeling this back to a biblical view of redemption, there are songs, spiritual songs and hymns that we sing about redemption. And, and John, I apologize in advance because these are, these are the way that I know these songs. I don't know if they're actually called this or not. But uh, for example, my redeemer lives. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. There is a Redeemer, blessed Redeemer, and one of my favorites, the blood-bought church, the redeemed. For our deliverance has come through the power of God's Son. It's the blood-bought church, the redeemed. But just what is redemption? In a basic term, redemption is the buying back of something or of someone. It, It can also mean to be delivered and also removed from a dangerous situation. And these definitions help us with a deeper understanding of redemption as pictured here in the book of Ruth. And as we continue our Rhythms of Renewal series, you can see the banners behind me. Uh, they, They represent the different seasons of the year, but they also represent metaphorically seasons of our life. The summer season can be a sign, a, a, when, we, when we think of the greenness of summer, it can be reflective of the, the blessings that come with certain times of our lives. Or maybe in the winter months, it could be representative of barrenness or bitterness or of struggles. And then spring and fall can be representative of times of maybe confusion or frustration and or even times of transitions in our life as well. And so the whole focus of our rhythms of renewal is to identify rhythms or habits that we can form, that that we can use to help us renew our love for God, our love for God's word, and a better recognition of who God actually is. So that's the, the basis of our rhythms of renewal, so that we can have encouragement in times of bitterness, that we can have that encouragement to continue on in times of blessing as well. And as we consider renewal through redemption, we're going to use the, the book of Ruth this morning, which provides such a beautiful picture of redemption. And it also, at the same time, points us forward to Jesus Christ as the ultimate redeemer. Our big, ideas for today, big idea for today's sermon is who God is in Naomi, he is for everyone he redeems. Who God is For Naomi, he is for everyone he redeems. And we'll build this idea, and we're going to look at three elements of redemption this morning. First, we're going to look at the beauty in redemption. And then we'll look at the basis for redemption, which identifies four qualifications 
for redemption. And then finally, the benefits of redemption, which highlight the renewal that was experienced by Naomi through redemption. And as we look at this, this renewal through redemption, which again displays who God is for Naomi, he is for everyone that he redeems. To get to the beauty, we've got to look at, first of all, where Naomi started. Naomi lived in Bethlehem with her husband, Elimelech. And I know Scott used a different pronunciation, but I'm going to use the northern Indiana pronunciations for the rest. Um, they, Naomi and Elimelech lived with their two sons, Malan and Kilian, and they lived during the time of the judges. And this is described as a period when everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And so we don't know exactly when it was, but sometime in that period of the judges. And at some point, because there was a famine in Bethlehem, Elimelech moved his family from Bethlehem to Moab. The passage doesn't give us much indication of why he chose Moab, other than there was probably food there and likely, and obviously I should say, provision. But there was hostility. The reason I say we don't know much or why he would choose Moab is because it, it would seem an odd choice. Because there has been tension, there had been tension between Israel and Moab that goes back for years. In Deuteronomy chapter 23, verses 3 and 4, we, we see where this hostility comes from. No Ammonite or Moabite may enter the assembly of the Lord. Even to the fourth generation, none of them may enter the assembly of the Lord. Because they did not meet you with bread and with water on the way when you came out of Egypt... And because they hired Balaam against you, the son of Beor from Pethor of Mesopotamia to curse you. And through this, 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 this picture comes into focus more of Naomi's need for redemption at this point. And her, her need to be delivered, her need to be removed from a dangerous situation, and her need to be bought back. And as Naomi recognizes the perilous situation that she's in, she decides to move back to Bethlehem. And in so doing, by this point, uh, Elimelech has died, and her two sons, Malan and Kilian, had married the Moabite wife. Each of them had married a Moabite woman. And after they were married for a period of time, both of them die as well. And so Naomi's in this period of isolation. She's widowed. She's no, her, both of her sons are dead. There is no one to provide for her. And it's at this point that God moves her to, or stirs her to move back to Bethlehem. And as Naomi persuades her daughters-in-law to go back to their own mothers and fathers, one of them does go back, but Ruth decides to stay with Naomi. And we see in a very passionate response from Ruth to Naomi, in Ruth chapter 1, verse 16, we see her response. As, but Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where I will go, for where you will go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, your God, my God. As they arrive in Bethlehem, Naomi is greeted by the women of, of the city, and they greet her by her given name, Naomi, which means pleasantness. And she tells them, don't, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, which means bitter or bitterness. And if you're thinking about now, Steve, I thought you were going to talk about beauty, and I don't think you understand what beauty is because we don't see it. That's okay, I'm right there. So with that, 
like a, like a jeweler will set out a black cloth, cloth or a black pad to, show, to, to display the brilliance of a diamond against the black backdrop. I wanted to take the time to, to display the beauty of God's redemption against the ashes and the bitterness and the destitution that Naomi was experiencing at this time. And it's at this point that we see the beauty of God's redeeming love come into focus. In, in Ruth chapter 2, verse 1, we're introduced to Elimelech. And he's described as a relative of Naomi and a worthy man. And, and actually, the author here is foreshadowing the bigger role that Boaz is going to play as the Redeemer, which is revealed to us in verse 20 of, of chapter 2. When Ruth is speaking, she said, And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And so as we see this, we, one of the, the elements of beauty that we see is we see God's sovereignty displayed in, in um, the beauty of redemption. It's, it's God's sovereignty and not by chance that Ruth will eventually end up in the field of Boaz as well. And so as we see God sovereignly directing Naomi back to Bethlehem, we see God sovereignly inter, uh, moving Ruth to go into the field of Boaz. And that's where we see this connection begin by God's sovereign design. God's faithfulness is another dimension that we see in the beauty of redemption. And in Ruth, we see that the Redeemer promises to do what he was asked. We see that in chapter 3, verse 11, where Boaz it says, Now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. So what we see here is, is the faithfulness being displayed in a promise and the faithful being executed later on, which we'll get to in just a moment. And as he fulfills this promise in Ruth chapter 4, we see the book of Ruth pointing to the ultimate redeemer, Jesus Christ. Listen as I read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly place, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to praise to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. How beautiful redemption is when we see that in God's sovereignty and God's faithfulness. In God's sovereignty, he chose us in Jesus Christ before the foundation of the world. And in faithfulness, we see that we have redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. I mentioned earlier the rhythms of renewal are to help us identify a rhythm or a habit. And one rhythm I'd like to share with you as an option is to concentrate on the words that we use in our hymns and our spiritual songs when we sing. Many of God's attributes to include his sovereignty and his faithfulness are included in what we sing here on Sunday morning. John has created a, binary, a, a songbook 
Uh, and I don't know that we have any of those available right now, but I think we're going to have some of those after the first of the year again. But we can use that songbook. It, it's for you to take home. You can use it in your time of, of your daily devotions, or you can use it for a family time to sing, or you can even use it when you come to a passage of Scripture and, and, and you're looking for a song to maybe tie to that. And an example is in the song that we sang this morning, this morning, Is He Worthy? Do you feel the world is broken? Do you feel the shadows deepen? If we think about those, that winter season that we can experience in our lives, but the next phrase is, but do you know that all the darkness won't stop the light? from shining through. We see God's, the beauty of God's sovereignty and God's faithfulness in redemption. We also see beauty in the basis for redemption. And the basis of redemption, we're going to talk about the four qualifications of, of a redeemer or of redemption. The first one being the person must have standing. And what, what I refer to by standing is a, is a, a legal right to either settle or to pursue a settlement or a decree. And not everyone could serve as a redeemer. There were specific requirements for that. The redeemer had to be male and the redeemer had to be a close relative. There could have been multiple relatives and we see that displayed here in the book of Ruth. And Naomi again references this in chapter two, verse 20, where she refers to Boaz as a relative and one of our redeemers. This concept of standing then also has an order associated with it. Because if there's multiple redeemers and only one can redeem, then there has to be an order for that to be. And we see that in Ruth chapter 4, verse 4, where Boaz is speaking to the closer relative. And he tells him, So I thought I would tell you of it and say, Buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know. For there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. So in addition to that legal requirement that the person, or the legal authority the person has, the person has to have be in a specific order. And in this situation, there was a closer relative than Boaz. But yet who God is for Naomi, he is for everyone that he redeems. And there is no one that has the standing or the right to redeem us that Jesus Christ does. Let's look at a few passages. Specifically, John chapter 3, verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes, believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, Jesus is standing his right to redeem us is because he was sent for that specific purpose by God the Father. God set him apart as the Redeemer, identified him as the Redeemer, and he is the only one that has the standing to redeem us. Another option for a rhythm of renewal or a spiritual habit is to praise Jesus as the only one who has that standing. And, and if you're here today, the best way to do that, if you have not already accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior is to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your hearts that God raised him from the dead. That's the ultimate way to acknowledge Jesus as the Redeemer. For those of us who are already Christ followers, and if, you're, if you regularly attend Parkside, you know that every Sunday we observe communion. This is an excellent time for us to think about 
as, as we're commanded even in Scripture to remember what Christ has done for us, but we can also remember who He is and that He is the only one who has the standing. He's the only one that has the right to serve as our Redeemer. So as later this morning, when, when we take the bread and we take the cup in communion, consider all that Jesus has done for you. Another one of the songs that we sing here is death was arrested. And one of the, one of the lines in that is, ash was redeemed, only beauty remains. And we can praise God for the beauty that's in us because of our identity in Jesus Christ as our Redeemer. The second basis for redemption is desire. Taking steps to show, care for, and, and, and love a family member is expected, but the person must have a desire to fill the role of the Redeemer. Boaz clearly demonstrates this desire. Turn with me to Ruth chapter 3, verses 11 through 13. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer. Yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you, good. Let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. We see a very clear desire, not an, an excitement, not only in Boaz's actions or in his words, but also in his actions. And we see this as he rises the next morning, he immediately goes to the gate, which is where business is conducted in the town. And he finds the closer relative and he calls him over. And, and he addresses the individual and he says, hey, you have an opportunity here to redeem and initially, we see that this closer relative does have a desire to redeem Elimelech's property. But it's in Ruth chapter 4, verses 5 and 6 that we see that desire go away. Then Boaz said to him, The day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. So while he had a higher order of ranking in the standing, and he was the first person to step in as the Redeemer, he no longer had the desire to do so. And Boaz had already, already demonstrated his desire. He he was not the closest relative, but he was excited about this opportunity. And his intentions were clear. He wanted to redeem Elimelech's property, and he wanted to take Ruth as his wife. Boaz had the desire to be the redeemer. And so does Jesus. Again, as, as the book of Ruth points us to the Jesus as the ultimate redeemer, Jesus demonstrates his desire as he left his home in heaven, and he came to earth in human form. Why did he do that? To accomplish the will of the Father and to redeem his people. Luke chapter 22, verse 42 says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. John chapter 12, verse 27. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. In Titus chapter 2, verse 14, who God himself 
who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Jesus had, has the desire to serve as our Redeemer. Another option for renewal to consider is in our culture today, everyone is, not everyone, our culture today is so bent on leaving Jesus out of everything. And what can we do with that? We can tell people about him. We can share our faith with people. We can, we can demonstrate to other what, or show with other, to others what God has done in our lives. After all, that's what we're commanded to do in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. We would be fulfilling that. And Jesus demonstrates his desire by willingly coming in human form to earth to die on the cross and to redeem God's people. A third basis for redemption is the ability. And by ability, the redeemer must have the ability to pay the redemption price. With, with redemption, there's a cost. And that cost is established and the price must be paid. In Leviticus chapter 25, verses 50 through 52, the, the Levitical law explains what that price, the, explains the formula for that price. Ruth, the book of Ruth, the author here does not give us what that price is, but the author does record that, in fact, the purchase was completed. And we see that in chapter 4, verse 9. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Kilian and to Malan. So see, Boaz paid the price. He was not only willing, he had a desire, but he also had the ability to pay the price. Now, the story doesn't tell us how much that was, but it's likely that Boaz knew what that price was going to be because, again, it's recorded in the law. And so he would have known what he would have had to pay, but he, never, he neither wavered nor delayed his actions to pay the price to redeem the property of Elimelech. He was committed, and he followed through on that, committed, on that commitment. Again, as, as, as the book of Ruth points forward to Jesus as the Redeemer, there is no comparison to the cost that Jesus paid to redeem us. He, he paid the price of redemption with his own blood as a once-for-all sacrifice. We see this in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 14. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Another option for renewal for us or a habit is, is we look to serve God. And to, in, in an attempt, we don't serve God to pay back. We serve God to acknowledge who he is for us. But it's that, it's that demonstration of how do we use our time, our talent, and our treasure. And so how do we consider that? Do we, do we give of our time, talent, and treasure joyfully? Like, like Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7. If, 
If I'm married, do, 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 do I talk with my spouse about ways for us to use our time, talent, and treasure? Do, do I talk about this with my children or if our children are in the home with us? If I receive prayer updates from the church or from the Sunday school class, do, do I take just a moment to spend some time and pray for those specific requests? This is the way that we can establish a rhythm of renewal is by considering how we do things in honor and appreciation for what God has done for us. In, in reference to the finances, I have a copy of Dr. Tripp's book, Paul Tripp's book, Redeeming Money. Uh, if, you, if you are curious with that, it's a very simple read. Uh, I'll have some copies at the back after the service if you're interested in those. Our final basis of redemption is appropriate witness or public display. We see here that, that Boaz initiates this transaction at the gate. And again, the gate was the, the, the public square, if you will. It's where business was transaction was transacted, and others could witness this. Many people could actually observe, observe this happening. And as Boaz summons the closer relative to come to him, he then also asks for 10 elders to come and to listen to the conversation and to observe the transaction. Follow along as I read in Ruth chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Kilian and to Malan. And also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malan, I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of excuse me, to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from, from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. First of all, I have no idea why taking off one sandal and handing it to somebody else was a custom. Uh, we, the author doesn't give us why, doesn't tell us why, we just know there had to have been a good reason. I don't know what it was. We also don't know when the custom ended. Notice here in, in, in chapter 4 talks about was the custom. It was the custom. So at the, fr from the point when this event occurred until the point when the author wrote this account, at some point that custom stopped. Now, I can give you a few good reasons why it should stop, but the author doesn't do that, so we won't dwell on that here either. But the point is that Boaz had proper standing to serve as the Redeemer. He had the desire to serve as the Redeemer. He had the ability to pay the price, and he made sure that there were witnesses that witnessed this to make sure that the transaction was legitimate. And as the book of Ruth points us forward to Jesus as the Redeemer, we'll look at a few examples of the witnesses to Jesus' act of redemption. There were, there, were, there were several crowds that followed Jesus throughout his about three years of ministry here on earth. There were 12 men that Jesus poured into regularly and um, spent most of his time with. And there were people who witnessed his crucifixion. Mark chapter 15, verse 39, records, And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last and died, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. The centurion witnessed the price and the transaction that Christ paid for our redemption. John chapter 19, verse, verses 26 and 27, as Jesus is hanging on the cross, 
he looks down and he sees his mother and he sees the disciple standing next to her and he says, woman, behold your son. And he said, behold your mother. So they were witnesses to the transaction of redemption. We see a picture in Galatians chapter four, verses four through six, that the entire Trinity is a witness to the transaction of redemption. Obviously, Jesus is there. But in Galatians chapter four, verses four through six, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So again, we see, we see the Trinity, the, the, the triune God, three persons, God the Father sending God the Son to redeem. That, that was his task. And then we see God the Father sending God the Spirit to indwell in the hearts of everyone that God the Son has redeemed. So the entire Trinity is a witness to the act of redemption. One more option for a rhythm of renewal is that we can share our testimonies of what Jesus has done for us and we can ask others to do the same. When there's, there's joy and renewal in learning what Christ has done for other people. The benefits of redemption. In the redemption transaction, Boaz paid for and received all that belonged to Elimelech. But those aren't the benefits of redemption. To see the benefits, we need to look to Naomi. And we, and we find these Benefits here in Ruth chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went in to her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a Redeemer. We see provision. Continuing on, And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life. We see new life. Continuing on. And a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on his lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Identity. The, the items that Naomi lacked in Moab are the benefits that she received through redemption, provision, identity, and new life. God's provision actually began before the transaction of redemption was even completed. No husband, no sons, no one to provide for her in a foreign land, or so she thought. It, it has been said that God's sovereignty is best seen by looking in the rearview mirror. And as we look in the rearview rear back on this account today, we can see God stirring in Naomi to move her back to Bethlehem. God sovereignly directs Ruth to the field owned by Boaz. God sovereignly works in the heart of Ruth to go against cultural norms and to ask Boaz to be the redeemer. Provision is one of the benefits that Naomi experienced. She was renewed through redemption. We see God providing for us as well. God provides temporal needs for us. Uh, we read about this in Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Now this is a general principle 
And it doesn't mean that we're all going to be prosperous and we're always going to have food to eat and we're always going to have a roof over our head. But in a general principle, God provides for those he redeems. God provides for us spiritually. Romans 5.8 says, But God shows his love for us in that we were still sinners. Christ died for us. He provides the Redeemer for us. God provides eternal life. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 11. For in this way, they will be richly provided for you an inheritance into eternal life, into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. One of the names of God in Scripture is Jehovah Jireh. We, we find this in Genesis chapter 22, verse 14, where this is in the account where Abraham is about ready to sacrifice his son Isaac, and God stays his hand and directs his attention, and Abraham sees a ram caught in the thickets, and, and Abraham says, so Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, which in Hebrew is Jehovah Jireh. Another rhythm of renewal for us is to pray to God as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. First benefit was provision. The second benefit we see here is new life. Chapter 4, verse 15 says, He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. See, during that 10-year period, about 10-year period that Naomi was in Moab, she experienced the death of her husband, the death of her two sons, and she did not experience new life. Her two sons had left no children of their own. There was no source of life for Naomi, or so she thought. And in the same path I just described for God's sovereignty to provide for Naomi, we also see God giving Naomi new life through her daughter-in-law. Verse 17, chapter 4, verse 17 says, A son has been born, not to Ruth, but to Naomi. God's giving new life to Naomi. And as, again, the book of Ruth continues to point us to the Redeemer, Jesus Christ, we see that we have new life in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. A third benefit of redemption is identity. And we see this in verses 17 through 22 of Ruth chapter 4. Specifically in verse 17, And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. See, Naomi here is identified with King David. And, and as we read this today, we know that that identification with King David, King David is an identification with Jesus Christ, the ultimate Redeemer. And we are identified with Christ as well. Galatians 2.20 tells us, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Our identity in Christ is that we are crucified with him. Our identity in Christ is that the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in Jesus Christ. We see other elements of identity in God. We are children of God. That's what John chapter 1 verse 12 tells us. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 tells us that we are no longer aliens, but rather we are citizens. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 6 tells us that we are also fellow heirs. Think about that. We're children of God and we're heirs 
to the inheritance of what God is going to give us. We find renewal through redemption with our new identity in Christ. Christian, let me encourage you today to reflect on God's redeeming love, on his plan of redemption, and how he redeemed us through his son, Jesus Christ. I I hope that you find some of these rhythms of renewal identified this morning to help you with your walk with Christ. For those of you who have not yet placed your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, consider what you've heard today. I don't know what you're experiencing. You may very well be living the dream in the season of summer, or you may be experiencing winter as broken and destitute as Naomi in a foreign land, widowed, childless, no source of spiritual provision, no identity, and no life. My friend, God loves you. God sees you. And God wants to redeem you so that you may experience renewal beyond what you can possibly imagine. You're hearing God's word today is by God's sovereign hand. It's not by accident. And it's no more of an accident that Ruth ending up in the field of Boaz to glean for grain. So as you hear that God loves you, also know that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. See, Jesus Christ, God sent Jesus to live a perfect, sinless life, a life that we should live, but we're incapable of living because of the sin. And and this same Jesus died on the cross. He took the punishment for our sin. He died the death that we should die, but instead he died on the cross in in an act of loving redemption. See, Jesus' shed blood pays the price for him to redeem you. If only you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Please join me in prayer.